Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alyndavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free free. Good morning. I'm your host, Laura Wagenknecht, president and owner of Mosaic Business Consulting, and you're listening to The Mosaic Life with Laura W. Mosaic is a bunch of pieces that when put together, make up the whole in a really beautiful way. And this show plans to discuss the various pieces of a business throughout different industries and how these pieces, when put together, can help develop a better, more efficient, and effective running of your business. To reach me, contact bizradio.us. Today, my guest is the incomparable Daniel Andrews. And I say that because he's just amazing. So Daniel is a native of Columbia, South Carolina, where he currently resides after an absence of 13 years, which, hmm, wonder what he was doing during those 13 years. Um, He owns a business that shows business people how to identify, meet, and find and nurture professional relationships with key referral partners. Fundamentally, he shows business people how to stop working, networking rather, and start building true networks. This is a fourth, his fourth career, and he's been su- successfully self-employed for 35 years. And he puts in parentheses, 49 if you start with the lemonade stand in first grade. So... <laughs> Welcome to the show, Daniel. It's great to have you on. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, um, so tell us about that 13-year absence. Where were you on, during that 13-year absence from South Carolina? Uh, sure. Um, moved to St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, my first wife wanted a, a master's degree at a school there. And I knew when I left Carolina that I'd get back eventually. You know, I, I said in the moment, you know, I don't mind living in South Carolina. I don't mind dying in South Carolina, but I'm not going to have only lived and died in South Carolina. <laughs> So, yeah, we left. uh, We spent uh, 10 years in St. Louis, which is about six too many. And um, (laughs) then we then we moved to Houston uh, and she had a job offer in Texas. And after 10 years in St. Louis, I had said we either need to move back home to be in her family or move to Texas. I like the, you know, don't tread on me ethos of Texas. I'm still mad they haven't seceded from the union yet. If they do it again, I'll be a Texan in a heartbeat. But uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, so wheels came off the first marriage in, in uh, Texas. We never had ch- children, so there was no reason to stick around there. My dad was in his 80s with cancer, and uh, mm-hmm. so I moved home about six and a half years ago okay. you know, to, to, visit, you know, to be with him. And um, yeah, so that's where we are. Well, um, it's good to have you back. Um, and so I am kind of curious, you know, there are so many things that we could talk about, the four careers which, mm-hmm. um, you know, do you count the lemonade stand as a career? <laughs> no, no, that was a, that was a, a two summer job. The first summer I ran it, the second summer I hired the kid next door at 60 <laughs> cents an hour to manage it. And I kept the profits. 
<laughs> now that's the way to go. So you are an entrepreneur from first grade on. That's totally cool. That's yes, great. Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. segued into selling greeting cards door to door from there to selling programs at University of South Carolina home football games to selling M&Ms to my classmates. Once I found out anybody could buy candy at wholesale and sell it at retail and, uh, you know, and then on to college where I, where I became officially self-employed at that point, wow. started at age 20. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's really cool. And, and so you've been sort of a people person, it sounds like, because I really appreciated when you said the net uh, about um, business people, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like you've been a business, a business people person for quite some time. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely an extrovert. I make friends well. Um, uh, my wife jokes I could make friends with a brick wall. And what's interesting <laughs> is my mom is even more that way, meaning she managed to even embarrass me by making friends with a person standing in line behind us at the checkout line and stuff like that. So um, I come by it naturally. Uh, my dad was in the military. My mom was a school teacher. And after they divorced, she became a school teacher for the military and moved all over the world and made friends that she's kept 40, 50 years. So I come by my extroversion very naturally. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. And so, when, you know, what do you think it does it require then networking to be an extrovert or, you know, what do you do with people who are introverts? Yeah, I kind of wish, uh, you know, we were we were uh, on a camera. So if I say the word networking as a verb or network as a verb, uh, y'all need to picture me doing air quotes with my hands because I always do that. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, fundamentally, quality beats quantity. And even extroverts get that right, that, that yeah. you need to meet a lot of people on your way to building relationships with a few people. So introverts love the notion of meeting people and then whittling it down to a few key relationships, right? The analogy is years and years ago, first wife and I had friends here in this town. They married shortly after we did. They started to have kids almost immediately. Uh, six years into marriage, they had four kids. And we were over at their house one night and they said, we, we need to ask you a serious question. Um, and you don't have to give us an immediate answer. And, and we said, okay, what's that? They said, our goal is to have a few close family friends not a bunch of superficial ones. And we just want to know if y'all want in because we view you as the sort of deep people that we would like to build a lifetime you know, relationship with. And we went on and talked about it and said, we're in because they're very lovely people. We eventually became, you know, uh, uncle Dan and aunt Kim to them. Right. Hmm. And um, you know, that, that was a, that's an analogous situation in a friendship. Right. So uh, there's plenty of people that I can high five and slap on the back and say, Hey, uh, in the world of you know business and the world of, networking and moving around the city because it's a big town, but it's a small town, um, you know, at the same time. Right. And most of those people, I know who they are. And if I need to get to them, you know, to ask a question or ask a resource, I can, uh, you know, make it a mixed response. But there's, you know, a smaller number of people that uh, will stop and ask, how are you doing? They'll ask, what's up? They'll ask, how can I serve you? And I ask the same question of them. And it's always going to be that way. So I don't, I, I think you have to be, uh, I think it's better if you're an extrovert, if you're going to survive a networking event, again, picture the air quotes or a networking group, right? But if you can learn a couple of skills to get you through that as an introvert and switch over to going deep with a few people pretty quickly, you're always going to be way better suited. You know, So introverts love the notion that they have to pursue quality. Extroverts might come by that notion, well, fine. I'll give up on my quantity in exchange for quality, but they're being paid to get results, right? They can't really argue that they, they need to stay superficial with a lot of people. They, they realize they need to go deep. Yeah. And, and I think that there's assumption in that, you know, introverts don't like to talk to people and that's not necessarily the case. That's not my, true at all. 
Yeah, exactly. My sense of introverts is that they can do it in piecemeal bites, in a sense, but then they need that time alone to re-energize. And that so, is correct. Yeah, yeah, the absolute definition of introvert versus extrovert is extroverts are energized by being with people and introverts are energized by being alone. They need to recharge by being alone. That's yeah. it. It has nothing to do with hating people. If you don't like people, that's a whole nother problem that your therapist. <laughs> yeah. And then networking probably is not the right approach, right? <laughs> I, I, correct. Right. But those people don't show up in those spaces very consistently. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so tell me, what are some of the things that business people do really effectively? Because one of the things that you mentioned is that you say, stop networking and start building true networks. And mm -hmm. so it speaks to me about, you know, don't go out there and just hand out your business card and and assume that you've networked, but actually start building relationships. That's what I'm mm -hmm. hearing. Is mm -hmm. that about right? Uh, yeah, you, c correct. Because people aren't going to refer you until they trust you. And trust is built of, um, you know, uh, uh, Steve Swear, who I met online, right? LinkedIn. We got into a video chat. And he shared uh, that in his view, and I agree, uh, you know, meaning once he said it, I'm like, yep, that encapsulates it. He calls it the trust quotient. Mm. And so you've got a divisor, right? A number above the line. I wish, I, yet I'm, I'm gesturing with my hands, right? I'm explaining this <laughs> with my pen on paper, and yet here I am on an audio call. But I'm just super visual. Uh, I even set up my document cam and everything in case we got to use it. But anyway, um, you know, above the line, right, the, the numerator of the fraction is credibility plus reliability plus mm -hmm. intimacy and intimacy, uh, you know, lowercase I, right. Professional intimacy, a little right. bit of knowledge about who you are, where you come from, you know, what's your family situation, right? Right. Below the line is apparent self-interest. Yeah. Right. Meaning the ratio of trust is diminished. The higher the number below the on a fraction, right. The, the lower the, the ratio. So, right. you know, but, but people have models for building intimacy. And again, appropriate, lowercase i, friendliness, that don't really serve them in terms of discovering and uncovering credibility and reliability. Meaning if I were going to, and I'll just use our names, Laura, for an example, if I want to build, if I want, if I want to get referrals from you over a long period of time, I have to do two things. Number one, I've got to convince you I'm worthy of referral. So I need to uncover the trust that you should have in me. I need to be able to show that to you. What's my credibility and my reliability as far as you're concerned. Mm -hmm. But I, but the, the other thing is I need to support you, meaning if this relationship feels one-sided in terms of introductions, prospects, resources very quickly, you're going to pull away out of frustration or I'm going to pull away out of guilt, right? right so if I want right. it to last, I need you to be able to refer me. That involves making sure you're clear on why I'm reliable and credible. I also need to discover if you are referable, meaning I need to determine if you're credible, reliable. and Hey, hey, hey now. Hey, I'm hey, saying, hey. I know that by now because we've met, but I'm saying if that's the goal of the relationship, I have to un I have to discover that because otherwise I won't send referrals to you. Right. And therefore, our relationship might last for a hot, quick moment. Right. You know, a Roman candle. Right. One shot and it's done. But I would much rather have a relationship if I'm going to get to know you where I can support you and you can support me over the long haul. And, and people are really good at asking questions around intimacy. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your friends. What's the last vacation you went on? Right. You know, right. what's your job title? Right. And that has nothing to do with whether or not you are referable to me. Right. So what, what kinds of questions, give us a, an example of a question you might ask to lend itself mm -hmm. to that kind of conversation then. Sure. And here's one that I like because it, it, it under, it, 
reveals, you know, more than one of the three key elements, as Steve Swear put it, right? And one of those is, tell me about a moment when you had done some work with a client or completed the work with a client where that day and the next day, you just woke up feeling, that's why I'm in business, right? That's why I'm in business, right? So that tells me something about what motivates them, you know, what parts of their work they're most passionate about. Right. Yeah. The thing that to them that feels like they get it. It also might give me at least a rough idea of what an ideal or a target customer is from them. And another yeah. really solid. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it just and I apologize for interrupting. No, it, it, no, no. it speaks to the mission of the person, the mission statement of the business, but also right. the mission of that person and the value systems of that person. Correct. Yes. Right. And here's another good one for the exact same reasons. Tell me a story about a time when you engaged with a new customer or even a prospect it started to go south, you were able to turn around and still get a four and a half or five star rating out of it, you know, either literally or metaphorically. Uh Right. And because that tells me number one, what they think good customer service consists of. Right. Number two, this is pretty powerful because this is a chance for them to tell a story where they were the hero. Mm. What's Mm -hmm. the market for that story? Who's there? What's the size of the audience aside from you that just asked their spouse, Oh, uh-huh. heard this story three times, which was yeah. two times too many. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you gain trust in people and they like you when you ask them to tell a story where they get to be the hero. But I ask yeah. about one in a professional setting, because that's also going to reveal something about them in terms of their priorities, what they think a customer service looks like. Right. Yeah. Well, and so what happens if, you know, they weren't, somebody wasn't happy with their service, they tried to fix it, but, you know, lo and behold, nothing really yielded itself from that. Well, I, I'm particularly asking about a story where they were able to turn it around, right? But if right. they end up telling me a different story or an additional story about where they, they dead ended, I still pay attention to that because, yeah. again, that can help me identify, you know, what they think good customer service uh, involves. And it's not inherently that there's a, you know, a, a, a gated feature, right, that if they say certain words that I'm never going to refer business to them, but if they approach it one way and someone else approaches another way, then I might refer different people to them. Meaning if somebody right. says, oh, well, I just let them keep the product slash service right and gave them all their money back, you know, and just, you know, went, whatever, Fred. OK, that's a legitimate approach to getting a four or five star review for your business. So if I ask them about customer service, right, you know, a chance for them to you know turn the ship around and they talk about resetting expectations, right, and explaining and, you know, apologizing for using industry vernacular that, that misled the, the initial client or the client didn't understand. And that turned into a four or five star review. That's a legitimate approach to customer service, too. So, yeah, yeah. right. So, but I might refer different people to the take your money and run person, right. You know, take your money back and leave me alone. Then I would refer to the person that really believes in, you know, resetting expectations and become a true professional in there. Right. Meaning well, different people might be attracted to their, their way of doing business. Yeah. And even if the person wasn't able to turn around the fact that they're owning it and accountable mm-hmm. for it expresses to me a sense of genuineness and authenticity that, I can appreciate in the in the values of that person. And they right. say, you know, well, I didn't wasn't able to turn it around, but I still felt like um, I did what I could to mend the relationship as much as I could. You know, right. Right. If they shift the blame or accept, accept the responsibility. And, and of course, you know, we all get, you know, clowns as clients somewhere along the way. Right. I right. Right. But but you can still learn a lot if they happen to tell you a failure story as well. You can learn quite a bit about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and so let me ask you this. So 
I can imagine, you know, networking sounds like it's, it's such a nebulous thing, but there has to be a process or something that people could do to make it more streamlined and effective for their business. What do you think those elements are? Um, I, I have a very clear notion of what those are because uh, my understanding, you know, over 35 years as a professional and, you know, 20 as a B2B professional have really, uh, you know, has enhanced my understanding of what's capable. And then, of course, my uh, understanding became even more refined as I touched and caught that, right, which is really the role that I play in the world now. But, uh, but yes, and it, it can sound slightly contradictory or uh, oxymoronic to say you need to take a strategy to relationship building. But using a consistent approach does not in any way negate or make superficial, you know, what you're trying to build, which is a true understanding relationship. Uh, and I say that, uh, right, because there's things we do on first and second dates, right? You know, they're part of our strategy, right? So right. and sincere about it, right, taking a strategy to it. I would also say that it's a lot easier than, than, than dating relationships. People think that I'm talking about, you know, being as engrossed in somebody as, as you would in a romantic, and that's not it at all. But I think the elements are, um, number one, tr- truly understand why do introductions work, right? You know, what's the true value of that? Uh, second would be uh, be selective about who you build with, right? There's some people whose role in the world will make them potentially key referral partners for you, i.e. people that you can support and be supported by over the long haul. Yeah. Um, ask better questions, right? Like the examples we just gave, those are some of the key questions. There's two that absolutely have to be asked that I haven't touched on. Um the third would be to understand the arc of the relationship, right? Healthy people don't propose marriage on the first date, right? So you're probably not going to get high quality <laughs> referrals or any referrals the first time you sit down and talk with somebody. Yeah. Usually by the second or third time, but not usually in the first time. Um, have a strategy. Having a strategy builds trust, right? Here's one of the ones that I think is so critical and most people miss. Be prepared to show that person clearly how they can support you. Ask very clearly for the sorts of referrals and prospects that you need. So show them how to support you. And the other side of the same coin, 5B, as it were, is show them how to show you how to support them. Okay. Uh, Tool number six would be ask, right? Mm Because they don't know if you don't ask. And tool number seven is introduce the right people in the right way. Okay. So how do you introduce the right people in the right way? Well, I mean, that's a whole conversation to have, but I would say that the way I introduced somebody that I barely know to somebody else that I barely know yeah. is going to look differently than the way I'm going to introduce somebody that I know very well to somebody that I barely know. Oh, absolutely. Which I is think- going to look very different than the way I introduce somebody I know very well to somebody I know very well. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're going to have more personal anecdotes. You're going to have more. Yeah. Or I may I may put a lot of caveats, right? I, uh, you know, you, I, I think you two could be very good for each other, but I'm not sure. Why don't you explore it and see what happens? You know, versus the, right. the text thread I got from Suzanne Taylor King, and it said, um, Ruben, comma, Daniel, comma, y'all both do big things, do big things together. That was the whole, <laughs> right? And I put and I put into the thread. I know better than to argue with STK. LOL. Here's my calendar link. And Ruben, <laughs> I know better than to argue with her too. LOL. I right. Well, and, and it's true. And I know Suzanne, so that's kind of funny when you're saying that. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Because yeah. she and I. Right. So and and that part of that involves. You know, why does that work? Because number one, Suzanne, and I know each other well. Number two, because she's never given me a BS introduction ever. Right. Right. right? 
So, yes. you know, when I say introduce the right people in the right way, you know, we're not handing off, you know, suspects. We're looking to hand off prospects or valuable resources. Right. Other exactly. People can be key referral partners. Right. But the exactly. notion that, right, you know, just because you met two people and you push them together doesn't mean that you've gained any goodwill. Because if you are treating one person like a prospect for the other and they both realize that that's the case and they're not a prospect, then both people are frustrated and you've lost cred in the introductions that you make. Yes, exactly. And and I, I think you speak to something really, two things that you've already mentioned, which is understanding what kinds of clients other people want and really understanding that. And I think so often people give their pitch and it's like this 60 second pitch that is just not really going to yield them anything because it's so broad. You really can't tell who's their ideal client. Right. That is correct. Which is the key. Right. And if you're, if I'm going to get referrals from them over the long haul, I have to be able to support them with referrals and resources. And if that's going to be true, they understand me and I need to understand them, which is why when I repeat a session or I go back to people and go, you're not doing it well, it's always in tool number five, show them how to support you, show them how to show you, how to support them. They need coaching on how to be clear because most people, if you ask them, who's your ideal client, they will start the next sentence with the word anybody or everybody. And that is right. A, not true and B, not helpful, even if it was true, but it's not true. It's definitely so not. frustrating, yeah. right? Like stop that. Yeah. I mean, I, people in my circle know that if they ever start a, that, they answer that question, whether anybody or everybody, I jump to my feet and I make the, uh, family feud noise, you know, survey says, <laughs> right. I mean, in a crowded room, I'll do it because no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so speaking of how people can, uh, sh- you know, to show people how they can reach you, how can they contact you if they're interested in learning more about you? Uh, yeah, well, um, my full name, Daniel Patrick Andrews is shared by a bombastic Australian, Australian parliamentarian. <laughs> <laughs> so if you search for my, even my full name, you will get 1 million Google search hits that are not me. So I bought the domain, danielpatrickandrews.com. Okay. Um, it's not a fancy flashy website. It's just, you can find me on the web and I don't have to compete with the uh, parliamentarian from Australia. Um, it is being upgraded sh- soon to include kind of a story brand approach, but really just treat it like a landing page, how to get to my LinkedIn profile from there. Right. You know, a pretty picture of myself, right. You know, my profile headshot. <laughs> You know, it's just a way to get to me. You can find me on LinkedIn, but again, a uh, thousand, thousand Daniel Andrews there. So, you know, okay. go, go to my DanielPatrickAndrews.com, work your way backwards from there. Okay. Well, this is, this has really been great. I, I sincerely appreciated the questions that you offered and um, to help our, our different people with different ways of interacting with people. So thank you so much for your expertise, your time. It's mm-hmm. just been excellent. Yeah. Thank you. I thank you for sharing me with your audience and your audience with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you for listening to the Mosaic Life with Laura W. You can listen to this episode again and get this great content or listen to an other great hosts and their shows by going to bizradio.us and click on shows. Thanks so much for listening and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.